and welcome to the EPP podcast on the future of artificial intelligence. Today we'll be talking about AI and defence, so stay with me. Some of mankind's greatest technological leaps have come about through adversity and defence research. For example, the US Defence Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, laid the groundwork for the modern internet. And research and innovation in this area has not stood still. In the past 10 years, with the advent of deep learning techniques, massive processing power, huge databases and near real-time information, AI has started to have profound implications for the defence world. However, according to the European Defence Agency, Few European member states have a dedicated AI strategy for defence, instead just referencing defence in their national AI strategies. This means that joined-up thinking on this issue across the EU is challenging. Even agreeing on common terms and definitions has been difficult. Identifying defence applications is also an area that needs to be examined. Where can AI be truly helpful? Where might it have incremental improvements? And where should we be wary of using it? Defence and security are two sides of the same coin. So we also have to think about questions of cyber warfare and how to make our non-defence systems safer day to day, as well as neutralising threats. Next, I'll be talking to MEP Rio Terras, along with Estonian IT visionary Tavi Kotka and Fabrice Pothier from Rasmussen Global. Thank you all very much for being here. So let me start with the first question and let me put this to you, Rio. What are the latest trends in defence and how can AI help and contribute to the safety of everyone? Well, as in every area uh, of the of the life today, uh, artificial intelligence plays a uh, crucial role. The problem with their with their AI uh, in the defense and military area is that we have seen too many Arnold Schwarzenegger movies of uh, 80s, where uh, robo robots uh, fighting each other have. Uh, created a picture of something very dangerous. And every time you start to talk about artificial intelligence in the defense area, uh, people are very cautious and uh, thinking that you are talking about the killer robots, which I think is a very bad term anyway. Uh, so uh, this discussion is unfortunately limited only to that. And not uh, really, if you look at what areas AI is used and will be used and what areas can be improved significantly by artificial intelligence, then it is almost everywhere, starting with the training uh, of, the, of the soldiers, uh, information sharing, collecting, analysing, getting the, the data together and the, uh, analysing the data to make uh, much better, much quicker decisions in the decision cycle, uh, to, to, to the logistics, if you look at how, how big uh, movements of technic, tech, uh, the techniques and, uh, and um, so equipment and uh, people are uh, normally uh, uh, in the military field. So to organize it better, you, you need really uh, uh, programs which can make life much easier. Uh, so uh, I think it is used, uh, it might can be used much better, uh, but uh, it is always, the discussion ends up always uh, uh, no killer robots. Uh, and in the armament, you actually, you already have, say, machines would take decisions if you looked at the Aegis frigates of the air defense frigates of the US uh, Navy. Uh, at the moment, uh, the missile is launched, there's no human interference possible after it, and the, and the machine takes it over. So it is already there, and drones. But, um, and therefore, I think we need to do a lot of explanations 
and then uh, invest in the real areas where it can improve. Tavi, let me get your reaction to that. I mean, we don't call them killer robots, but we do have laws or lethal autonomous weapons. Uh, is that what people automatically think about or is there more of a, an argument for AI in other areas? I mean, I think like, like normal people don't think about uh, those kind of things too much. And uh, currently we mostly see AI happening, uh, not like uh, using machines, but more uh, data as uh, Rihatera said. So manipulating masses, uh, I don't know, like for example, Brexit, uh, this is uh, totally like AI type of attack. Like So uh, you manipulate the data, you manipulate with the messages and you can get like people ideas and, and minds to, to go a certain way. Like, so that's, that's, that's the like most used area of AI in, in, in those, those, those terms at the moment. So it's not killer robots. But definitely we need to think about them because, um, I mean, uh, war is not the computer game, but for, ma for machines it is. So, and, and in computer game, uh, if you give both sides, I mean, human mind and, and robo robots, like the same kind of tools or, or, or weapons, the robot always wins. Like, so uh, there are like, there are positive sides and negative sides, and then we have to talk about that. Well, I think you've introduced an interesting um, point there. There's almost two different areas we could be thinking about it when we think of AI and defence. We could be thinking of AI as an adjunct to existing traditional defence methods and machinery, or we can think about AI in the cyber world where it's, uh, it's using to co-opt elections and so on, as you say, Tavi. Um, let me um, bring in you, Fabrice. What are your thoughts on this? Do we need more AI, less AI, or do we need to be circumspect in what we use it or don't use it for? Uh, I think we need to first broaden that question because AI is very distinctive technology in the sense that it is, I would say, a superstructure. Um, uh, there is an interesting quote in the US National Security Commission on AI in the introduction. They quote Edison talking about electricity, saying electricity is going to be a field of fields. And I think AI is likely to be uh, this field of fields, meaning it's going to be everywhere. It's going to percolate in most of our activities, both you know, as private citizens, governments, uh, and uh, possibly armed forces. So, and I think that's my answer is, I don't think European defense has yet got around the AI question simply because European governments and even the private sector have not really got their head around what does it really mean? And, and you need to answer, I think there are three big components you need to really kind of uh, ask yourself uh, when you want to really think an AI strategy. One is, what's my industrial data strategy? How do I harvest? How do I collect? How do I store? And how do I exploit data? Because data is really the, the primary materials for any kind of AI technology. Second, what's my talent? What kind of ta scientific talent, what kind of also general, I would say digital savvy talent I have in not just my armed forces, but just my government, my, my private sector. And finally, what's my strategic ambition? Because you can have all these things, but if you don't set a clear horizon on how you want to use AI, both again in the uh, defense and security field, but also in the kind of general economy, uh, then uh, it's of little use. So I think we need first to really take a step back and, and, and take a much more strategic 
uh, view on, on how do we kind of think through AI through our economy and our society. Well, that's bringing it into a whole lot of different areas. And I think that's where we see an overlap, perhaps, with cybersecurity in terms of securing what other systems we have in place, be that things like electricity grids and uh, our economic or financial systems and so on. Um, that's all coming in under the Europe NIS directive. But let me turn back, you know, from a, from a policymaker point of view, what do you think we need more of or less of? Is Europe going in the right direction or, or are there some gaps? Well, I, I think I, I'd like to concentrate in this discussion to the uh, AI and defense uh, in the old-fashioned way. I mean, if we broaden it to every area of the life, then, then we can do it with every, every type of uh, technology. Uh, I see uh, similarities to if uh, 400, 120 years ago, as the radio uh, was uh, was used uh, or came in the into use if people would say you cannot use it for the military because it is uh, dangerous uh, nobody would uh, th would have thought about that kind of thing today it is the same don't use ie uh, in the defense because it is dangerous i mean uh, weapons are dangerous uh, and to produ produce weapons are dangerous and the most of the weapon systems today are operated already already digitally and that's no difference if you sit in the cockpit and uh, operate the weapon or you sit a uh, thousand kilometers away or or just around the corner uh, so uh, to use weapons is always dangerous uh, and to uh, bring that discussion to only uh, to lethal weapons uh, is is not good but in many governments and and I see it uh, in the last um, last year's uh, IMARX project, where a company I worked for was taking part, it's the multi-purpose unmanned ground systems project, which was financed by uh, by the EDIDP program, uh, and the discussion was whether we should look at the platforms with or without weapon systems. And every government of uh, of European Union and, and the Commission said no weapon systems. We don't need to. Or we're not allowed to talk to, about it. And that's ridiculous because the Chinese, the Russians, everybody is developing their systems with or without weapon systems. And if Europe is, is not doing that, uh, separate countries are doing that. I mean, uh, the, the Netherlands have a good project, the UK has a good project, Estonia has a good project. But the problem is, and that was mentioned, I think, that's most important, uh, all these uh, machine learning prog programs need data. And not data about uh, who to shoot and whom to shoot and how to uh, identify the target, but for example, data how to uh, uh, operate a vehicle in the uh, off-road conditions. And this is not uh, yet there. And, and uh, to help that, I think Europe should fund common projects. Uh, through the European Defence uh, Programme, should uh, should concentrate, should bring people together, should nations together, to get the better uh, development of the current uh, already existing technologies. We'll start with that because uh, US, China, Israel are far away already ahead of us. So we need to catch up, and to catch up, we need to do it together. Can I just slightly disagree with you on on this one? AI is by a sense a dual use technology. So my point here is I don't think uh, European armed forces and ministries of defense are going to go very far unless their governments and at the broader level, the EU and Europe at large uh, have a much clearer strategy on, on how to put AI at the center of many things. So this is my point is you, you can't just do AI on the side on the in the defense field without addressing it in your broader economy because it permeates 
so many things. It's not just a weapon system, it's, it's an enabler. What I see, and I finish here, is a very defensive approach, like you were saying, and that's why I agree with Riho and Tavi, is a very defensive approach of saying, oh, we have to be careful of these weapons. And it's, it's a very narrow approach to the AI question, whilst I think AI is also a lot about opportunities, including opportunities to protect ourselves not just to, to be attacked, but actually to protect our infrastructure, to protect our information sphere, and so on. Well, uh, actually, I don't, uh, uh, I don't disagree with you, and I think you're right, but uh, in this context, I just want to bring that, uh, to concentrate on one topic, because if we talk about everything, uh, in AI, you, about AI, you can talk about everything. And of course, you cannot take the defense out of the overall picture. Of course, it is part, and of course, mostly, the private sector, sector already developed uh, perfect uh, machine learning tools which can be used uh, or dual used for the military and this time uh, in the technology is completely different to the past where military was the forerunner and the civilian part uh, uh, took it over. Today we have to accept that uh, that Apple and Amazon are better than, than the governments uh, and we need to use that. But, uh, but I think Europe needs a, a really focused projects uh, in order to get uh, EI development in the defense area up and running as well as it is in other areas. That is my point. Thank you. Thanks. Tavi, we talked a little bit there um, about the beginning. I mentioned, uh, you know, I mentioned DARPA and the Internet. Rio there mentioned Amazon and Apple. Do you think the, the landscape has changed when we think of how defence research leads to innovation or is it going the other way? And how does that compare with the rest of the world? I mean, we think of Israel, perhaps, as somewhere where defence research is really flying ahead of everywhere else. I mean... There is like, in that world, there are two keywords. One is money and another thing is practice. So, uh, which means that uh, if uh, something is well-funded, uh, it always has a spillover effect. So whatever is discovered, like even if it's not used in a particular purpose uh, that was meant to be, I mean, you can find uh, like other areas that they can be useful and vice versa. Uh, and the second thing is that you can actually test out your, your solutions. Like, So I think why Europe is lagging so much behind uh, when we talk about AI and defense is that, uh, I don't know, Riho, you can correct me, but uh, just looking at uh, European countries, they didn't believe that war is possible. And whenever the war happens, like the U.S. will come and help us. Like, so why to invest? Like, so, uh, so uh, I mean, I don't see uh, European companies being leaders in uh, in drones. But uh, like looking at current warfare, like drones are like must-have things. Uh, I see developments in unmanned uh, ground vehicles, and and definitely this is a future because like you can't win the war just using drones. Like. I think uh, I agree here with Riho that there are a lot of things to do and definitely defense can be a leader of innovation. Historically, it has always been. For that, you need, you need to invest and you need to practice. And I don't see that too much happening in Europe. Well, you've brought up the money question, so let's ask about cost. Rio, how do we structure funds in this area? How should we structure funds in this area? Well, I, I think we, we, we have already the structures in place. I mean. Uh, EDIDP programs, uh, European Defence Fund programs, which has been cut by the current Commission significantly, which uh, only 
proves that Tavi is right, that the governments are not interested in it because they don't uh, think war is possible. But quite honestly, if war, is, war is always possible as long as the young boys in the courtyard or girls in the courtyard uh, fight, uh, have fist fights. Uh, and uh, it is not... Uh, Probable, but uh, as long as it, is, uh, as it is possible, we have to prepare for it. That means that Europe needs to do something, and we need, uh, for sure, we need uh, funds, uh, which coming from the European Commission can help uh, countries to come together. I mean, everybody finds its own corner, but if we can do it together, especially about data, and I think that is everybody is very scared, keeping cards very close to the breast. Uh, what concerns about uh, data or military data, uh, to share this data, to create data packages uh, based on what uh, machine learning can be improved. I think that is something which uh, which European Union can do, and I hope the Commission of Breton will take that seriously. And in the in the coming uh, months, we will we will see something coming from the Commission. Tavi, did you want to add to this data question? Uh, just. Yeah, I just wanted to correct my own, or like make it more precise, my own saying is that like if you like at the latest conflicts, let's say the Azerbaijan and Armenian conflict, or like uh, let's say the older ones like uh, US in Iraq, the like one party wins by far because they're using latest technology. And uh, I think in Europe we have stayed uh, like too long for and thinking that like the future wars will be the same like the previous ones, but it never it, it never will be. So the question is like, uh, what is the future uh, wars look like? And definitely AI plays a huge part there. Like I already said, like mostly on information and manipulating the masses, but also in in weapons. And then like the question like, how can we? solve conflicts uh, with uh, minimizing the casualties, definitely we have to uh, outsource the, like, uh, how say, face-to-face -face conflicts to the machines. Okay, let me, uh, Fabrice, bring you in then for a final round. Um, what are your thoughts on, on how Europe fits with the rest of the world in this area? You know, we can't talk about defence in a global context without considering the US, China, Russia... I think there's a kind of it's not so much about fearing war as about realizing there is a real technological strategic competition going on. And even you know a generally reluctant uh, European country like Germany, I think the government is now much more aware that there is a competition going on, that it's a lot about technology, including AI, and you just can't afford not to actually uh, be in that race. So, and I think, uh, uh, you know, having talked to a lot of defense leaders on defense innovation across Europe, uh, it's, it's pretty clear that this strategic rupture, this notion that we are in a big competition with technology at the heart, is now much more central to where governments see AI in defense. So that's a, a slightly kind of positive uh, take. It's not just about fearing the next war, but it's realizing we are in a strategic competition and we're losing ground. Uh, how it's doing Europe uh, in terms of cooperation, I think this is one of the weak points, but frankly, it's one of the weak points of also our closest ally and partner, the United States, uh, who are who is obviously much more ahead of the game. But when it comes to how is the US going to work with its like-minded partners, starting with the European allies inside NATO, I think we're still at a very, very early stage. 
you know, how do you combine what is essentially very sovereign spending on very sovereign technologies, but how do you bring them together so they can work together and you can have more than the sum of your, of your parts? And this is where I think NATO, but also EU, but NATO has an important role to play in defining what's a framework where allies being small, big, or medium-sized uh, can plug and play. And, and, and I think we've managed to do that in the past on you know, nuclear uh, deterrent. We managed to do that more recently on missile defense, on cyber, increasingly we're doing that. And I don't see why we could not do that on AI, but there has to be, I think, a bit more, I would say, um, activity from both NATO, but also uh, European and, and US uh, defense secretaries and ministers to really define that common framework. Because without that, we can all have our gadgets and all have our new you know, weapon system, but if they can't work and talk to each other, we, we are going to have a problem. Tavi, yes. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I have a good news from uh, from a NATO summit, uh, which was uh, recently happening in Brussels here, because uh, the heads of state uh, and governments uh, States and governments in NATO summit have, dis have discussed it and decided to create an accelerator for the technology and the format uh, where US and the European allies can work together to develop uh, or at least to discuss the topics first and then to develop a common strategies on there. So I, I, I agree with you, it is uh, essential and I have seen the first steps. Uh, it is always difficult, uh, say, uh, our Atlantic partners, US and Canada and the European Union if it comes to defense uh, industry. Uh, but I do hope that everybody understands that the way ahead is together, US and Europe together. So I'm, I'm optimistic on there, uh, cautiously optimistic, I would say. And Rio, then just as a final comment from you, from a policymaker point of view, how difficult is it to future-proof, if you like, any legislation or any rules that we might put in place in this area? That would be very difficult. And every, everything passing this uh, European Parliament, where uh, the discussion, uh, where there's no specialists, everybody takes uh, newspaper headings and, and uses that for, for a policy making. That would be very difficult in the current layout of the current Parliament. But I, re I really do hope that the uh, Commission will take lead on there. OK, thank you. Tavi, I'll get your final thoughts as well. From what you've said so far, I get the impression that you believe, if you like, uh, the field of where warfare and, and, and conflict is going to happen will be in a different space, perhaps in the information space. Um, what are your predictions for the future? I mean, uh, I'm listening to this and uh, I, I, I don't know, understand, like, do we actually understand this problem in the same way? Like, the future tactic of the conflicts uh, will be totally different compared to what he, what he has has been. I mean, uh, we have done tactical tests here, for example, in Estonia, where an unmanned ground vehicle goes and becomes mad and like basically starts to shoot anything that moves. Like uh, so, so the rules of the games they're changing and they all like they're changing rapidly. And if I like follow those exercises happening uh, in like, like military exercises, NATO military exercises, etc. I mean, we made many big words today here, but like I don't see a real action. Like, we, how many countries in NATO, how many countries in Europe can say that they have 10, point, 10, 10 points from 10 uh, drone uh, unit or unmanned ground vehicle unit? Like, 
for before we start like uh, uh, making communication between those uh, different units like uh, like do we have enough uh, like how say experience seeing them uh, in actual conflict there are many many big words but like i said it needs money and practice so money okay we can see where is practice and without practice like there is like we can just talk and same thing like digital society or like cyber defense like uh, many countries talk about it like but i still see like silo based like uh, very loose uh, systems in germany in uk in france like so uh, let's be practical let's see real actions thank you very much well that's a that's a good point to end it thank you very much gentlemen it's been an interesting discussion that's it for this episode but join me jennifer baker for the next epp podcast on the future of artificial intelligence where i'll be looking at another sphere of our lives where ai can make a difference